0: Our second reading is from Matthew, and it is chapter 4, starting at verse 12. That's page 936 in the Church Bibles. 936. It's Matthew chapter 4, and starting at verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Nephtali. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and Nephtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in the darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the the shadow of death A light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Thanks, Karen. Morning, everyone.
1: Let's pray. Our gracious Father and our God, we ask that as we come to your word, you would help us. You would address us. You would lead us. You would shape us, mold us, speak to us, change us. By your Holy Spirit, renew us, transform us, and keep me from error, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 27 is uh, today's passage. Psalm 27, the stronghold of my life, I think I called it. Is that right? Yes. Psalm 27. The psalmist, which is David, is surrounded by threats. Uh, In every direction he looks, he is in very uncertain times. And the psalm is a a very... uh, Important way, and it's not the only one, of course. But the Psalms do this, and this one is here. It asks, "How will we respond? How will we respond in adversity?" Now, I might not have an army coming against me. I haven't seen one around me, surrounding a railway parade, anyway, time soon. But you never know. But uh, uh, certainly, threats come from the outside, whether it be from your situation. Disease, your family, your job, what's happening in the world, etc., etc. Anxiety is a real thing of our era. Our era is characterized by it. The psalm has a lot to say. How will we respond to adversity and threats to to our security, to our life, to who we are? Where do we garner strength? What do we say to ourselves in the face of adversity? And I want you to remember that phrase, what do we say to ourselves? Because that will be important. Firstly, the first three verses, trust. Uh, it's, a, it's a hard word, I know. It's a, let me just say that again so you can catch it. Trust. The Lord is my light. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Right up front, the psalmist is declaring to who? He's doing it uh, together, and that's why we gather together. We declare God's greatness and who his light and his salvation and his stronghold of us, but he's also declaring it to himself. It's a declaration of faith and certainty. Remember, these are uncertain times he faces. In times of great anxiety and fear, he is saying, you, my Lord, are my light and my salvation. You, our Lord, is my stronghold of my life. Old declarations, reminding each other, reminding ourselves, stealing ourselves. When our anxious ways come upon us, we have an anchor done in the face of what comes at you. And you see that in verse 2 and 3. He has a specific. When the wicked advance against me, To devour me, there's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fail. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. It's terror, fear on all sides, fear of what is coming. The enemies are advancing. He says, an army besieges me. Two alternatives which is a little bit different to the way people often think. And we live in a world, and I don't know if you've noticed, anyone notice? We live in a world, and so we think this too. They say, what is the opposite of faith? They say doubt. Now, this is the world. That's not the Bible. There is plenty of doubt in faith. If you haven't doubted, then you actually aren't really exercising your faith properly. That's okay to doubt. You see those doubts in the Bible itself with people. What the opposite of faith here is fear. And so on Jesus' lips, what is his often does he say? Do not fear. It's not a rebuke. It's not a you've done the wrong thing. What are you doing? It's a Trust, trust in me. And so here the opposite of fear is faith. It's an important point. Our Lord is the one who dispels the darkness. He brings salvation. He is light into the dark times of our lives. He has been light into this world that needs his salvation and light and into our times when we are struggling against what is facing, what David is facing all around him. He is light. He is our fortress, a refuge. The enemies in this are wild beasts who can devour you. In the face of this terror, David embrace trust. He says to himself, our God is worthy of trust. He's reminding himself as a congregation, of, as this is sung in a congregation, each one is singing and reminding ourselves. We sing, our God is our strength and refuge. We're singing those things to remind ourselves of those truths. In the tsunami of fear and of anxiety and grief, we are to place ourselves back into the God of trust. We steady ourselves on this rock and we throw out the anchor of his love when we're on drifting and he catches us and holds us. We are caught by his love, his unfailing love. That is what we trust. Trust. Secondly, verses 4 to 6, you see we behold his beauty. We don't often talk like that about God, but that's here. The scene changes from an encampment. We've gone from the encampment of the enemy, and now we've changed scenery to the house of the Lord. As Christians, we long for the Lord. We long to stand in his presence. Verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This verse, verse 4, is at the centre of this verse. It's quite key. The one thing that David asked for is that he might dwell and seek God himself. The temple is the image. The one thing David asked for is being able to come together and worship. Probably he means with God's people. In the crisis, he comes to seek God's presence, his guidance and his love. That love has now come to us in the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. For us, Jesus is the new temple. It's not here, not this building, not even this place. It's Jesus himself, who we are in him, in his word, together with his people, in prayer, by his spirit, we have been ushered in to the very throne room of God, brought there, as we've been hearing, even Galatians, brought there by God in the person of Jesus himself. We are citizens of God's kingdom. He is this Christ who has come to us. He is ours. He is our place of protection from whatever we face. Verse 5. In the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted. Above the enemies who surround me at his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy I will sing and make music to the Lord. Here David means that as we come together, we exalt his name. we sing, we rejoice, we make music, for we are heirs, co-heirs with Christ it's it, even I after saying that all these years still staggers me that God would bestow that on me and you. such is his love for us in our Lord Jesus our He is our fortress in the day of trouble, and in him we have joy we have hope and in the midst of these troubles David models for us prayer verses seven to 10. We had trust. We had the second point, which I can't even remember, which is helpful. And then thirdly, we behold his beauty. And thirdly, we have help. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me. Seek me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your Lord, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O oh God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. There's a determination here. The hope of verses one to six drives David on to prayer. Once he knows trust and is in God's presence, he prays. He wants to seek God's face, and he notice he chooses something that usually does not fail. My father and my mother, fail me. he chooses. And now lots of people have parents are fallen human beings. That's our world. But in one of our worlds, you might, some of our world, you would say, what is the most reliable thing? You might say is my parents. Well, he's saying above all those things, God will never fail, even if my parents have failed me. This hope drives him on, God's great faithfulness to him. and This is the language of worship. He wants to receive God's presence. He has his heart set on this, and he's come with a whole series of what we call imperatives. Hear me. Be merciful to me. Answer me. Do not hide. Do not turn me away. Do not reject or forsake. They're all imperative phrases because he's yearning and asking and requesting and relying on them. David realises that the calming presence of God is his sanctuary. He has declared his hope. He now calls his own spirit, calls his heart and calls his being into that hope. Even when the things fail you, he's saying to himself, the Lord will not. When the congregation gathers together, they say to themselves, even when things fail you, the Lord will not. And he hasn't in the person of Jesus, in his life, his death, and his resurrection, God did not fail us. He has proven himself trustworthy. The Lord has acted for you, for us, for his people, in the sending of his Saviour. We may fail, I may fail, but the Lord does not. As, the Jesus, uh, as the Jesus called the disciples, come follow me, so people follow. God has given us himself in Jesus. They follow because God has given us his spirit. We call on his name because his spirit is within you and has opened your eyes, renewed your heart, and is transforming you into the person you want to be we want you to be like David we can be confident Matthew declares that the presence of God's kingdom has sought us Jesus has come to us God has come down I think we're, we're about to go into a, some season was oh, that right Joyce are we about to go into a season what do we call this season Amen. that's it advent what is advent what do we have advent Jesus came. You didn't say Christmas. Yes, look at that. You've you've been in church a long time. (laughs) Jesus, that season that tells us, that it reminds us every year, you might be thinking, "Ah, Christmas, Advent. What it's reminding ourselves in the church calendar is it continues to remind ourselves that God has come for us in the person of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has come in the person of Jesus. God's presence has been given to us in the person of Jesus by the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the place where we come, we find solace. In prayer, reading his word, and reflecting on those things, we're doing that individually and corporately together, we rejoice in God's presence and love. The God who has come is in us. We have his presence. We know his joy. And lastly, David asks for direction. Verses 11 to 14, direct me, Lord. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my impresses. Do not turn me over to the desire of foes, for false witnesses rise up against me. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. There's that asking, lead me, teach me, waiting for the Lord. Take heart, be strong, looking for God to direct him, David wants to be taught in God's ways and he wants to be with the people who are on that journey. Though we are confident like David, our confidence is not in me, our confidence is not in us, but our confidence is whom God is in the person of Jesus, what he has done. He is solid. He is unfailing. Back to our original questions. In an era characterized by anxiety, this psalm has a lot to say. Please don't hear me say, because I'm not saying, and nor does this passage, nor does the Bible say. This passage is not saying it is wrong to be anxious. This passage is not saying it is wrong to have fear. That is not what's happening here they are realities of life, but it is giving it to us uh, when these things happen to us, how do we speak to ourselves? How do we worship together? How do we encourage one another? The church is always uh, talking about how everything's nice and lovely, I think, but the reality of life is that life is full of dangerous times in all sorts of ways, from all sorts of angles whether it be disease, whether it be uh, our family, whether it be our employment situation, our housing situation, our job situation, our retirement situation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How will we respond to that? The, the psalm wants to remind us and help us to encourage us to Respond not in fear and anxiety, but tell ourselves trust. Tell ourselves that we are loved and accepted, to be encouraged by whom God is in the great turmoil, strife, adversity. Trust. Trust in his unfailing love. Trust in God's unfailing commitment of love and presence to you, to us. These are things we might need to say to ourselves, to say together, to preach to one another, to remind ourselves, to help each other. What we tell ourselves can help or hinder us. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned, was Isaiah 9, quoted by Matthew 4. Light has come and shone into our darkness. And whatever you're facing or whatever we are facing, because there's been a lot of anxiety in society through COVID, through all sorts of situations, Ukraine and where the world is going, God is calling us to trust in his unfailing presence, hope in his promises, in his goodness and love. He is our shield and strength. He will not fail us. When darkness surrounds us, we trust in the God of grace, in the Christ who has won us, loved us in his unfailing love. Let's pray. And gracious Father, we uh, we ask, Lord, that the, our world is full of such challenge and our lives can be full of such challenging times. We as a congregation face challenging times. Lord, when these things come upon us, if they're happening to us, we ask that you would remind us. We're thankful that your word addresses such things, it is honest, it is real, it is faithful, and it is true. Lord God, you have reminded us that our place of safety is in you. You are our stronghold. And we ask, Lord, that we might know that, that in the depths and the crevices and the (laughs) the cracks of who we are, that all that truth would flow in and fill them up. In the face of great turmoil, strife, adversity, we pray that we might trust together in your unfailing love, trust in your grace and mercy, that your hope would raise us and help us. How do we respond to adversity? We ask, Lord, remind us and help us that we can use these things, these tools that you have given us, these truths, which will never change and will never be proven wrong. You are with us even to the end of the age. We praise you and thank you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.